Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Coleman Podcast, where I have go-win conversations with fabulous people so I can get their story out there. And the reason I want to get their story out there is because I believe three things happen when people share their story. One, uh, we learn from them. Two, we are inspired. And three, we connect. And I believe that when we connect, we form community. And I believe that community wins. And today, I got my man, Matt Sansbury. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for taking time uh, to join me uh, today uh, for the podcast. Like I said, I, I know someone who knows you, Denver Duncan. And mm-hmm. this goes back, I think at one time, he actually did some work for you. Uh, yeah. How many, year, how many years was that ago? How many years ago was that? Oh, man, probably three. Oh, was that just three? It feels like it was so – I guess it was right before he went to D.C., huh? Well, if you add coronavirus in there, then it feels like, you know, <laughs> it would have felt like longer. <laughs> it made it feel longer ago. <laughs> yeah, so Denver Duncan and we have some other mutual friends. And then Hannah Schmidt uh, has a, uh, yeah. the co-working space, and your co- your your workspace is right next to her. And, and then yeah. I think uh, when you were at Citizens at Vault 405, uh, I was yep. listening to your podcast. I know you were doing a podcast at that time. And so, and then following you on Instagram. And that's kind of how I just kind of form my questions that I love to ask you and just kind of have a conversation with you. But let me just start off yeah, kind of like, what what were you like as a kid and, and through high school? What, what were you like then? Oh, man. Um, so I always, I always had friends, but, uh, and I was always so, kind of social with everybody, but mm-hmm. I didn't have like, it took me a while to find like my group. So yeah. when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time uh, – it sounds it sounds sad, but it's not. I mean, I actually enjoyed it. I spent a lot of time working on art and music okay. a lot by myself. So, like, that was my passion. So um, a lot of people don't know this about, about me because they see all the music stuff I've done kind of – but when I was younger, I was really – probably to all the way through high school, I was more known as like an artist, like a painter and drawer and, art, you know, did art. And that was my passion and did a lot of stuff with that. And that – that was a talent I've, you know, like a God-given talent that I had. I didn't that I learned pretty early. Uh, I didn't know I had any music talent. Um, uh, probably around second grade or so, um, started doing a lot of stuff with art and would do art competitions and got even got art scholarship for college and stuff like that. But I just it's something that a lot of people don't know. So I spent a ton of time drawing and like I liked a lot of realism stuff. So looking at stuff and how do I make this look real and you know that kind of thing. Um, so did that a lot. And then when I got older, at, that started transferring over to music. So I spent a ton of time with just mostly kind of self-taught kind of style. And I say self-taught. Nobody's really self-taught. We're learning from other people. It's just through, you know, um, like different avenues. So I would, yeah. you know, my mom would go to the grocery store. And when she'd go to the grocery store, I would sit down and read like the Guitar World magazine. And I would go to the part where they teach you songs and I'd memorize, I'd sit and try to memorize them because I didn't, I didn't have the money to buy the magazine. Yeah. So I'd sit and just go like, okay. And I would do the song in my head till I got home and I'd grab the guitar and be like, all right, I figured this out, you know? And so I just, I always like to work on craft, like yeah. whether it's music or art. Um, but those were the two big things. And the same thing with basketball. I played tons of basketball. Um, but that's mostly as a kid, I remember, I mean, I played and did stuff, but I, I spent a lot of time like creating and trying mm-hmm. to improve on stuff. I yeah. spent a lot of time on that. Yeah. How did you get connected with basketball? Like, was that just something your parents kind of pushed you into, or did you just kind of gravitate gravitate to it naturally? You know, '90s kid. You know, oh. born in the '80s, but nine. You know, '90s kind of 
during those core years. I mean, that's when like Jordan was playing and stuff, you know, so when I was in middle school. So that it was just very inspirational time, I think, for basketball. Yeah. Uh, but my brother was real into it. Um, he's older than me. And so he kind of got me into it. And then I'm six, about six, four. So like I was always the t- one of the tallest kids in school. And so like I didn't actually start playing till didn't play any leagues at all till about seventh or eighth grade. You know, and so I was kind of behind, but I was able to catch up pretty fast and, and play and, you know, was never going to really play like college or yeah. in like no stretch to play NBA. But in my mind, at one point, you know, eighth grade, I thought I was going to go pro. <laughs> <laughs> we all do at some point, right? We all think we're going to go to that next level and be a superstar. <laughs> everybody, right? Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> buy your mom a house, buy your parents a car. You know, we all have those kind of dreams, which I think that kind of helps move kids forward. Like in some cases, you know, like some kids need that to, to think, right. to, to have those type of dreams and so now as an artist, so my daughter's an artist. Did you have challenges focusing class? Cause all you want to do is draw like, or, or were you not like that? Or were you, was that you? Totally like that. So like when I got into middle school, I'd actually like, this is the entrepreneurial side of me, but people would ask me to draw pictures for them. So I started charging. So during class I'd make like $10 drawing somebody a picture. So I started doing that most of the time. Like somebody'd be like, Oh, here's, you know, here's 10 bucks. We draw me this, this class period. I was like, sure. <laughs> so I'll make some cool drawing and do that and stuff. So I, I did a ton of that. Um, also went through a whole class clown period. Okay. Um, that whole deal just kind of disruptive. And, you know, if I went back, I wouldn't be like that at all now. I mean, I really wouldn't mm-hmm. like, that's just not, that's kind of, I've grown out of all that, but that's, but yeah, when you say that's funny, yeah, I was pretty distracted with drawing during class or, or making people laugh. Every, every uh, parent teacher conference we go to is like, Nia just won't focus, and then I, she, they'll walk over there to her paper, and then she'll have all sorts of fancy uh, drawings <laughs> on it and things like that. And so it's been really a, a challenge of saying, I don't want to I don't want to um, disrupt that. I want her to be able to do that and all that, and we'll figure school out because I don't want that to be the path that she's going to go on, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to get her to learn math. You know, like I yeah. think she knows the basics in that. And so and, uh, not that I, I – I, I don't like school, but I'm for people moving forward in things that they're best gifted at. And so if art's going to be our thing. We align on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if art's going to be our thing, let's let her draw like as much as she can. Cause that's the only way she's going to get better. And so the funny thing is you telling that story about how uh, you as a child and a student, one of the questions I was going to ask you is which came first design or music. Cause I know mm. like right now you have a band and then you have a, a, a design shop you know, essentially. Yep. And so, uh, I'm, uh, design came first for you, I guess. Yeah. It's so it, yeah. Well, I would say art did I, art, I like okay. design design, actually like true design more like in its form. I didn't really get into it till about college time period. My experience with design before that would have been on act very, very accidental. And I would have been kind of a hybrid between design and traditional art, which was doing like album packaging. So like, I had a band in, in eighth grade and we made a tape. And so like I made all the album package, but I did it all artistically. I did it all by hand. So I'd like type stuff out, cut it out. Then I went to like at the time Kinko's and I would like, I did all the dimension stuff and I'd print them off and then I would hand fold them and like put them into the cassettes and stuff. So like that's kind of design it's, but it's like kind of clunky and old school. So like trying to figure it out. So I started dabbling with design 
uh, back then, but I really didn't formally actually like get into design till college. Okay. Okay. So, th- um, and then, and then music I got into a, around middle school too. So that was a middle school is a funny as a turning point for me. Like that's where I found music. That's when I first dabbled in design. Um, but previous to that, I was all art. Yeah. Now in your, uh, profile for, uh, for nominee, is that, am I saying mm-hmm. that correct? For nominee, yeah, nominee. You, yeah. you have, um, work hard, tell stories, create, and stay curious. And stay curious. And stay yeah. curious, right? What, what What's the best way to tell stories? As a designer, as an art, as a musician, they're both pretty big on storytelling. Like, what is that like for you? Mm-hmm. How, how do you approach it? Yeah, so it's interesting. So, like, our agency is really, we, we think of ourselves and talk about ourselves as really a brand development agency. So, like, early on, when people don't know how to articulate their story, they have a good idea. A lot of times the tendency is to be like, let's design our way out of that. Like let's make a cool logo and let's start making a cool website and let's do all those things. We're always more and more like, hold it. Let's make sure we really get our message. That's going to resonate. So we do a pretty robust strategy process for that, like to get that really dialed in so that we're not just like, like if somebody wants to get a quick idea, we're not the place to come to. Like, we're not just going to like throw out a bunch of like willy nilly ideas quickly. It's more of like, let's stop, let's slow down. Let's be strategic. Let's do interviews. Let's find what that story is and how we want to talk about it. So, um, I, I look at it as like to, to tell a story. Well, I think you got to know what you want to say and how you want to say it, mm-hmm. you know, cause you, it, and it may, it's always there. And so our job isn't to like create the story. I think that's, that can be, that can be sometimes misleading because we do see ourselves as storytellers. We're not telling our story half the time. Most of the time we're telling somebody else's story yeah. and it's all there. So like our job, when, when a client gets happy, typically we're just like, you're just seeing a, a really nicely thoughtful crafted version of yourself. Like mm-hmm. this is what you already believed. This is what you already were all about. You may have just not been able to articulate it or, or clarify it. Right. So I think good storytelling is knowing what you want to say, how you want to say it, and clearly knowing how you're going to do You know, if you can clearly do that, that's good storytelling, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because um, everybody has a story, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, I believe that. So what? So you said you do some interviewing. What are some key questions mm-hmm. that you've learned to ask to start helping somebody? Like, you already have the story in you. Let's just get it out. What are some mm-hmm. key questions that you've learned to ask people? Hmm. When you That's go through the strategic, question. I haven't actually thought about that because that it's it's kind of we have some that we'll ask, but it's kind of unique every time. Yeah, um, because every brand we work with is unique, um, mm-hmm. and it really is. And so, um, half the time we'll script questions and then go off script because we're just following the the muse. You know, they'll start going down a path, and we're like. You kind of just shove our notes to the side and be like, let's just go over here. You know, that feels like a good, that feels like a good place to go. Yeah. That's like, nowhere near where we thought we were going, but yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. So to answer your question, probably the best way to maybe answer a question or ask a good question for us is just by listening to what's being said and ask the next question that makes sense. Yeah. That's really the only way I could probably answer that. I don't, Cause I don't really have like the canned 
million dollar question down <laughs> for sure you know and i and i love that honesty because i feel like most people don't unless you not call this a conversation more so than anything else because i just want to talk like we're sitting down at the coffee shop and then it'll start <laughs> it'll start coming like if i set up questions and all that i mean i have questions i've kind of looked at some stuff to kind of guide me but uh i just want to be able to have a natural conversation uh with people because from that your story is going to be told right and uh, yeah, there's some key things cool. that i like to look at and uh uh, and kind of dive into I, I'm in I love entrepreneurship so you're an entrepreneur you're an artist I'm not an artist but I I'm fascinated by artists and how do you think and the way you approach things and so no 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 so I just try I like that I love that actually that yeah. that's the way you kind of approach that it's just kind of let it start happening naturally because it'll come out of people so um and so with that like what where did nominee come from what made you start it um, before I answer that, I'll just say, this is why I'm on the podcast. I, like, as you're talking, there's so many things that we align with that we didn't ever even have these conversations to know it. Maybe, yeah. we, just could, maybe we just could feel it, the energy. <laughs> I mean, everything you're saying, I'm like, man, you're just like, we're just thinking exactly the same yeah, way. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, well, that's when I, I follow was, people and I watch and I kind of get a feel for them. And I just love to sit down with people and just have interesting, you know, just have conversations with people. Go in, and I don't, I don't know if you – if you've ever heard me define it or not, but go in is about what are those right things you need to be consistent in to achieve the wins you want for your life to live out your greatest story. And so through this conversation, I hope that people can kind of hear some of the right things that you're consistent in or things you're doing in your life to achieve the things that you've been able to do. And from that, other people can take some of that and adopt and adopt it and then kind of redefine it for themselves. And hopefully Mm -hmm. they go win and live out the greatest story that they could possibly live out. So, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what we're all trying to do, I think. That's yeah. Great. I love yeah. it. Um, so to answer your question about nominees, so um, I was work when I got out of college, I immediately started working for an agency. Um, more, It was more PR focused, but I was the second hire over there. So I was early on. There's only three of us. Um, grew pretty fast from there. By the time I left, there was already probably close to 30 people at that agency. Um, and I ended up, I think part of it, like, you know, I don't know if it would have been that way if I, if I came in later, but being early on, I was able to start building a team. So I ended up being the creative director and build a team over there. And so it was a tricky situation to leave because I'm part of the ground floor and helping lead a team. Um, but ultimately I think what it came down to is I just had a vision for something else I wanted to do. And my job there was to serve that CEO's vision of what they wanted to do. And that's, and I just did not, feel like it was appropriate to be disruptive or try to shift it to my vision. Mm. Um, so, but that was a really, that was a really tough time for me to figure out like, how do I do this knowing that like I'm building a team up, they trust me and to be like the leader of that team saying, I'm going to go do something else. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that was kind of awkward, but I'm, I'm glad it, I was able to navigate that and um, still have good relationships with those, with those people. Um, and I think people can tell you where your heart's at, you know, but um, but anyway, I, I left because I wanted to fo- be able to focus more on music in general. And so when I first started nominee, I started, I was adjuncting at ACM, the music school in, in Bricktown. So I was adjunct professor there for a little while. I was doing that. And then I was, um, this is before when I left, I hadn't even had the romance, which is my, this band I've had mm-hmm. for, you know, 10 piece band I've had for eight years now. So this is 2010 when I start nominee. So it's prior to all this. Um, at the time, we had I had two daughters. Um, we were struggling financially, um, 
And it was just a very transitional time. And I actually felt like, what do we have to lose? But I feel like there's a lot to gain was mm-hmm. where I landed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. prayed a lot about it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I decided to take this risk. So I'm starting, I'm going around in circles. So I apologize. No, that's, it hey, it. it's a conversation. This is where conversations <laughs> work. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm just take your time. But, take your time. Um, but so when I started nominee, like the vision was to serve the music industry with creative services was really the niche. So when I first started working a lot, I started working a lot with record labels. Um, didn't really do much in the community. Did some with some artists a little bit, um, but a lot of it was on the coast and stuff like that. So really the niche was, you know, more Midwest, Southwest type type position where we could, um, I could charge less and be fast um and those kind of be nimble and so do a lot of creative work so uh it was all over the place it'd be album artwork it'd be photo shoots some of it was full you know brand development for a band um website development and i was doing almost all of it by myself um early on um even including the web work which uh, which is crazy now if you know that i even did website for so long because i'm not now I would totally be the last guy you'd want to hire to do <laughs> me personally to do a website. Yeah. Uh, my team's great at it, but I, I, I not me. Um, so did all that stuff for a while. And then it was funny, like things would kind of like creep out of that. So, you know, I did a lot, I got to work with, and it was cool cause I got to work with some of my heroes and stuff. So we'd work, do projects for like, I was doing projects for Radiohead and Peter Gabriel and some early on with like Alabama shakes and some of these, some of these cool stories that I got to have out of that and some relationships I got to have. Um, but what was fun was we, we was working with, um, these bands. I ended up getting a call from, uh, uh, I got a call from a manager I'd never worked with before. And it was a music manager. He said, I have an artist and wants to talk to you. I got your name through this record label and yada, yada, and one connection to another. I was like, I'm just going to have them call you. And I was like, okay. And I was like, who's this? And it was like, it's going to be Sean from boys to men. And I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Have him call. So he calls, I think it's gonna be like a music project. And he's like, man, I've got this nonprofit project I want, you know, need help with. And so I just saw an opportunity and Sean's an awesome, awesome, awesome guy, amazing person beyond. And so he wanted to do this nonprofit for autism because one of his twin sons um, is on the spectrum. And he just realized, he thought, you know, hey, here we are with financial resources and this is really hard to take care of my son. Think about people that, these, you know, some of these moms that are single, they have a, they have a child that, that is autistic and the challenges that come along with that and no resources. And he just, so he just thought we want to be able to raise money and help these kids. So I was like, I'm in, I want to help on this project. It's not music, but it's a uh, music related. So at that time period, that's when like the music industry stuff started, we started morphing out of that mm. into like other avenues and other things. And to this date, we still do music projects from time to time, but we're really uh, across industries and we've really instead of being broadly creative services we really are really niche brand we practice more of that brand expertise angle but anyway just kind of giving a little story of like where we started and kind of how it transitioned over time into kind of where we are now how did you go about getting your first your first client like because were you in oklahoma mm-hmm. the whole time yeah. so how did you go out and venture out and start getting clients on the east coast like what what how did you do that yeah so it snowballed out of one relationship and it's a local guy by the name of graham colton so if you know graham he was a local he was a i say local guy he's from here but he had a national recording career um 
and it was pretty active, I'd say from like, and I may be wrong on these dates, but let's call it 2003 to 2009, mm-hmm. like super active during that time period. And I think he's, and he's still done more since then, but that was like his very active. And he, he runs uh, the talent buying and the music side of the Jones Assembly now is what his main project is. But we had, we actually had like played a battle of the bands together years ago. We almost started a band together, but we barely knew each other. And in 2009, we got reconnected. And I ended up doing helping him out with his music projects, um, and so his mu- his manager ended up tying me to some projects. And from there, it just sort of like somebody would find the website and different things. But it all it all started, you know, I tell Graham now, I was like, it started with Graham, you yeah. know, started the whole thing and his connections. And then it just from one person went to two, and two went to three. And I think as lo- when I as long as I checked the boxes, which at the time what success looked like good work affordable fast you know friendly will work with you and and another thing i probably should have mentioned first is like understand the music industry you're not going to explain the music industry to this guy he's not just a like a random designer that yeah it's like he know like i knew how to get stuff so the other thing is there was a service at the time called topspin and so topspin was an e-commerce solution for musicians and bands and record labels and there was a really high demand for people that could integrate that into websites. Like, how do you do that? You know, the, the purchase of music with them and the integration of online stores and ticket sales is a really robust, robust platform. Some of the guys from Yahoo music started it. And so we were able to partner with Topspin and became a feature on their website. And so, but it was just like constantly just, you know, it was, a, that was my hustle days. That was yeah. like truly, truly hustle. Um, and just, yeah, I'll get, I'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do a good job. We'll, you know, also there'd be times I worked till like five in the morning. I mean, it was, cr- it was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. So you were married during that time too, cause you've been married, what, 15 years? Yep. Yeah. In the, in the fall, I guess y'all, y'all celebrated 15 in September, yep. huh? That's cool. Yep. So you were married during that time and doing these crazy hours and things like that. And did y'all have kids at that time too? Yeah. How are you balancing all that? Like two kids we had, I've had, you know, let's see, my youngest is almost eight. So during all that time, we had at least one or two. And then in some cases, three, man, my, my, like, it's funny. So every now and then somebody will ask me about marriage advice because they see what I'm able to do with my time. And I think I'm an anomaly though, because my wife, she like, we have a great relationship, but she's like, pretty hardcore introverted and it's kind of surprises people because she's a photographer and all these things and she's really talented and loves people and and it's just great with people but she likes a lot of her time and so like and i'm kind of the same way and it, it sounds crazy but like we like our space so like a lot of nights like we'll do our thing with the girls and something but whereas i see a lot of couples will sit down and watch a movie together as a normal that's like rare for us and i know that sounds crazy so i I try not to give a lot of marriage advice because we have our own formula and I don't think it works for, yeah. I, could, I wouldn't in good faith, wouldn't tell people to do half the stuff we do. I would be like, please don't do that. Your wife will kick you out. Have you sleep on the couch? So my wife is my wife. Like I'm crazy too. Like I do a lot of stuff and I always working to doing stuff. And my wife is the same way. Like she's great with people. People love her. Like just love her to death. But she's an intro, like right now this quarantine stuff, this stay. She's like, yes, <laughs> let's stay at home for the rest of our lives. You know? Uh, and yeah. so I'm, yeah. And I think for me too, when people ask me about that, 
I'm like, it just kind of really depends on who you marry, <laughs> like what their personalities <laughs> oh, are like. Really? Yeah, and so it just kind of all depends. But I taught relationship classes for a number, at least 13 years. And so oh, it's always cool. about educating people. And part of that education is letting people understand like who you are and who she is. You got to understand, yeah. you got to understand that and be able to uh, flow, flow in that. And so you've been blessed to marry with somebody who, who gets you and unless you be you. So yeah no that is a win man for sure yeah, for so sure I, I have a yeah cool wife and then you know and like but that is a challenge like you know the right amount of time that i need to spend with mm-hmm. my family and stuff too and so you know if that, if that's just and just real talk i mean they would they would say that's a challenge that you know from not every day or consistently they but that would be something they would say is like Hey, I think we need a little more time with dad sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's something we, we battle with sometimes yeah. and yeah. work on, but we, yeah. you know, right now I'm, we're seeing each other a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was telling somebody, I was like, well, thank God. I love, I really do like my wife because we were locked in the room, uh, for, uh, three weeks together, you know, cause of quarantine. And so, uh, in our bedroom and so, but we, we uh, really like each other, so it was cool. Good. Like, at least she acts like she really likes me, so I, I think she does. So. <laughs> yeah, I really like her, so I was good. I wasn't somebody getting on my nerves or annoying or anything like. But I'm easily, I'm not easily annoyed, so I I can deal with just about most people. So, it may, uh, ten years, right? Two two thousand ten, I guess you said you started on yeah. me. This what, summer. This summer's. Tell me, what what would be somebody somebody's listening right now? They're like, man, ten years. What would be some tips, tricks? What what are some things that you would suggest to them to to make it ten years? Um, you know, I, and that's tough because my my mind's kind of thinking of different different answers to that. Oh, give it and all. I want whatever you want to. What's that? You give whatever yeah, you're thinking. So, so, like part of it, I guess when I did so I, when I started it, I guess it's with anything that I do. If I really believe in it, I fight for it. You know. Um, even when other people don't see it, I think, and I think that's the part that if you see the vision clearly, and it kind of goes back to some of that earlier stuff we talked about, it's like, you got to know what you want to do, why you're doing it and how you're going to do it. If you kind of got that stuff figured out and you believe in it, you don't feel, and you know, your, your soul will tell you when you're doing the wrong thing. I mm-hmm. think, you know, you'll feel kind of aimless. And if people listen to that and they get on the right path, I think once you're on the right path, I, I fight, I fight for it. Like, you know, this whole covid thing happens and the first thing i'm thinking is like i mean we're, we're to a point right now they may we not may not be in this position but you know i'm fighting to keep keep the team together you know we haven't had we've been very blessed and not had to do any do any layoffs or anything like that but that's that's kind of fitting for our organization and my personal take on things i'm going to fight for it my first thing isn't going to be hit the ejector button my yeah. first choice that's the that's the last choice and in fact that's not even a choice to be honest like I'm going down with the the ship if it's going down. So I don't know. That's probably the that kind of like fighter desire to win and like really that piece. Like I'm competitive um, and not necessarily like wanting to beat other people. I'm just competitive. Like I want to win. I yeah. want my clients to win. I want people around. And so it's a great topic for what we're doing with what you do. But and not to try to steal that away from you because that's your thing. But like oh, yeah. I do like to I like to fight for things. So mm-hmm. that's probably, you know, as I'm thinking it out, that's probably the the reason why we've made it 10 years. Cause there's, there's been multiple times where we almost failed, mm. um, financially several times. Um, 
throughout history. And so people don't always see that with successful stuff. Yeah, yeah. I see it. A, I see it a ton. Like we see organizations and, and people will be like, man, that organization's awesome. And in my mind, I'm like, we've worked with them. They're barely making it. You just yeah. don't know that, yeah. you know, Yeah. but they, they stick to it and they work at it and eventually, but I, I just, and this is just me six. And I don't know if this is other people's success for me doesn't, has never come easy. Mm. Like, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to romanticize people's lives. You see it on Instagram or you'll see all this good post. Cause I'm not going to post all the dirty laundry for yeah. you to see, you know, yeah. Most, it's just, if I started, if we all did that, people would be like too much, you know, but, but you know, just being real, like, I mean, I, yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really had everything figured out and it's, mm-hmm. and it's definitely been a, been a challenge. And every day I feel like you have to be in it, you know, and you have to like, put it all out there and be vulnerable and do those things that are pretty far out of like a lot of people's comfort zone, to be honest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I guess that's part of, it. I just don't take no easy and I, and I'm like, you know, it's like, give me a challenge and we're going to, we're going to go for it. Yeah. No, I definitely would say that that's, that would be true. And I mean, my, I grew up with a father who's an entrepreneur and it has not been easy and, and if you, but it's the best life, you know, like to be an entrepreneur and have your own thing is, is great. The flexibility, yeah. but in that you definitely going to work hard for it and it won't always be easy. And the cool thing, my wife and I talk about this all the time. Entrepreneur is great. How you can, you can see an entrepreneur and be like, man, they got it all together, but there's been so many, I almost lost everything in their stories, you know, but they, mm-hmm. they know how to make that $10 in one hour in class by selling paintings, you know, like they're going to figure, <laughs> they're going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> like, like, Oh no, we're going to, we're going to garner up some business somehow. That's funny. Uh, yeah. So, um, and, and, um, with your wife being a photographer, do y'all ever cross paths? Does she ever do any work for you in your, your company or no? We used to. So there was a point, like, and I think part of it, she's, she's really stayed in her lane and served the same audience for her, you know, really, she's been doing it for a long time. She started doing it way back, like 2003, she started doing first kind of, kind of projects. She's mostly, uh, her client base has mostly been families. Okay. And so she doesn't do as much commercial work. However, there was a point where we, uh, let's see how long it was. So from 2000 and probably around 2012 into 2012. So let's say 2013 to, I don't know, probably like three or four years in there where we cut, we had, we shared space. And so we used the, her photo space, some for photo shoots that we would do like commercial stuff that she didn't really want to do. Um, and then some of that she did for us. And so, but she would bring in like, do like, it was kind of funny cause we were like working and having like meetings and then she'd have like a baby crying in the back because she's doing like a newborn <laughs> photo shoot <laughs> um it's pretty fun <laughs> but uh yeah so we did that whole thing we had like a big open house there and this was in downtown edmond when we were when we were there and we were there for let's see 2013 to 2018 so we're there five years okay and was that so the vault? most of that it wasn't vault it was like a, it was like a block down okay so okay. yeah so i was i've we did our podcast at a vault, but our office was just like a block down. Cool. So I'd walk down and do it out of vault. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, so we had some crossover. And so we did like, she did a lot of photo shoots for like organic squeeze. If you've ever been there, mm-hmm. she did some for, I think she did a, some for cool greens. Okay. Some of these restaurants that we yeah. did, um, and different projects that we'd bring her into. And it just finally was just sort of like, 
you know, like that's not really what she exactly wanted to do and couldn't do it the way she wanted to. And commercial work's pretty demanding. Mm -hmm. And so that like that could cause a little bit of tension between us. And so we were like, you do her, you know, you do you. And we were growing. So we ended up. So she was like, I'll do my own thing. So she got our own studio space um, in a different location. We kind of go. And then that actually made it better. We just kind of separated the because it was pretty integrated for a few years. And and it was great. We were happy, but it just it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. Like. And our projects were getting tougher and clients were getting, and she was just like, I'm not, I don't want that. I like, like my lanes, you know? So anyway, <laughs> uh, how has the move been for you? We've loved it, you know? So we're in film row now yeah, downtown and, uh, man, I, I love it down there. Um, so we can walk over to like Jones assembly, walk over to stitch Joey's pizzeria is right there. We're right over by, um, uh, the civic center. Um, and we're just like with some walking distance from Devon tower, mm-hmm. you know, we're just on that more that West side. So it's a little quieter in a good way. There's activity and it's growing, yeah. but it's, it's, we have, it's easy for us to park. Yeah. Um, easy for us to walk around down there. Um, most of our team lives in Oklahoma city and not Edmond. And so it's really worked out. I mean that, you know, we're obviously not there right now. Um, but I think the teams has enjoyed being downtown. We're kind of more of the, the hustle and bustle is yeah how how is this i guess we gotta ask how's this COVID 19 thing impacting you um so i mean interesting it's i have like the pros and cons to it so like the cons like the it, it hit me pretty early like the whole like kind of kind of freaked out um and just like whoa and i wasn't really pleasant to be around my family like the first like couple days and so I'm kind of glad I got that out of my system because as time goes on, I've actually relaxed more and more. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I really do. I feel totally at peace with it right now. Um, I don't feel at peace about people losing their lives and people getting sick, but I mean, just feel at peace that it's out of my control. Yeah. And I can only, I just can do what I can do do yeah. and try to serve people. And so, you know, we've we've offered some solutions for some groups that are doing things to make a positive impact on the community. There's some people we're helping out for free. Um, there's people that were helping out financially that still could use our services. So we've done a lot of pivoting on stuff like that to be, to try to help people during this time. And then at home, like we talked about some of this stuff earlier, but like I have a home office that, you know, that I'm in now we, we added this on like a couple years ago. And I'm so glad that we did. Cause I actually like can work totally from home and it was seamless. A lot of things we did not even knowingly like, ended up being to our advantage when this all happened in terms of our daily, uh, like lifestyle and stuff like that. So like, I'm all good there. Like, and I just feel like no matter how bad this thing gets, like there's just no reason to freak out. You know, there just really isn't. The only thing to do is like be proactive to help. And I did kind of freak out early on and I did it quietly. I didn't do it publicly. Um, but just kind of really stressed it, you know, it was really getting to me. But anyway, like I said, I'm down my system. I really do feel at peace. I just, you know, want to do, try to do the right next, the next right thing for sure. Um, and not just, I want to be proactive and not just sit around. Yeah. Um, and so we're busy doing tons of stuff. We, we actually, this afternoon, um, helped launch the Oklahoma standard with the Oklahoma city national memorial museum. So they launched that. Um, and that's promoting acts of, of, you know, service, honor and kindness, Yeah. which is really, really good. So it's super relevant right now. And so, um, 
the mayor and Sam Presti and a few others and Kerry Watkins and Bob Ross, who's the chairman over there, did a fantastic job kicking that off to the media today. So you'll be seeing some more of that kind of stuff. So we're, I mean, we have stuff like that that we're really inspired by yeah. and that are important that we're working on. So um, we'll just kind of see, but I'm just kind of taking a day at a time and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we're not in a position where we have to in the future do layoffs or anything like that. Like I said, I don't, that's, I would say foreseeable future we're going to be, you know, we're fine, Yeah. but we just don't know how bad this thing's going to get. And so, um, my heart goes out to, to some of these really vulnerable businesses that really are by nature just vulnerable, like restaurants and movie theaters and things like that and, and music venues. And that's been really, that's been really like frustrating and sad to see and kind of feel like you're helpless watching some of these businesses. But in terms of me, I, yeah, I didn't, and I don't want to, and I'm not downplaying the seriousness of it all. Like I take it super serious. And so when I say I'm at peace with it, I'm not like, uh, enjoying, enjoying the pain and suffering and, mm-hmm. and all those things. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't take it at all lightly. Um, but I've, you know, I've been able to find my little bit of solace and all that. And so I hope other people, and I'm talking to other people. I think other people have kind of come to that too. Yeah. And they've been able to adjust to this new way of, current life yeah like what we're doing right now yeah. you know i think if this hadn't happened we may not be doing this yeah maybe maybe we would but maybe it'd have been later down the road yeah and instead we got to do this sooner yeah and so there's some things that like there's some good things that are going to come out of this yeah. and i really believe that with all the bad that happens i think there's going to be a lot of good for sure that comes that comes out of this and, I, and i'm actually and i think maybe that's why i have peace with this and i and it may not be even there's already good happening now the real big good impact stuff and people being fine that may be out that may be a ways out so mm-hmm. I don't I'm not holding false hope but wh- whatever that time frame is it may be longer than we all hope for it may be sooner but it's going to be good and yeah. I really truly believe that yeah 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 and that's 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 the best mindset to have uh, in these kind of situations because you don't want to I don't think being a negative Nancy or kind of looking at this from a from a, uh, a, a Debbie Downer kind of perspective you know. Might as well have a good outlook about it. Try to do the best you can. I try to have as many conversations with positive people uh, who, who 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 also want that. But you're a fighter too, so you're a fighter. You're competitive. Like sometimes competitive people can take this on and be like, "Oh, this is this is a this is a competition kind of thing." And so, uh, yeah. but no, that's good. So talk about the venues that you enjoy playing in, man. As a uh, as a musician, yeah, on the music side of things. Oh man, that's like bittersweet right now. So, um, one of my very favorite venues, man, I want to say it was just as recent as, I think it was the last year. I say it wasn't, I don't think it was this year. It was towards the end of last year in, in St. Louis, um, actually closed. It was called Bill on Broadway. And in a, in a way it was kind of a dive, but in the best, most complimentary sense, um, and what I loved about that venue was it brought all kinds of people together. Mm. So you would look around and you would see uh, a college group and you would see like an elderly group mm. and they would all dance together oh, and you would yeah. see different ethnicities yeah. and people that, that were like broke and people that were like wealthy yeah. and all these different social and yeah. economic classes just melding together and when we performed there, I just always felt like, I was like, man, this is just what it's supposed to be about, you know, just people enjoying music and having fun and dancing together, loving on each other. And you don't care. I mean, 
And it's funny. And I think what, what's, what's funny about that is I feel like that's also how church is supposed to be. Uh-huh. And so maybe that's what I like about it is yeah. like, this is kind of like what I feel like church is. And we're getting to do that here in a music venue. Yeah. And cause we'd have people leaving. It's like, we didn't ever, we would never like, there'd be shows where we'd never like mention God or anything. People would be like, that felt like a spiritual experience, mm-hmm. you know, at that venue. I was like, it felt that way for us too. That's, in, you know, it's interesting. Like, did you say that from the stage? What I, I watched the clip of you playing, and, and I felt like you said something about like this is almost like a spiritual experience or something like that. I mean, I don't remember saying that, but I might have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, or maybe you said it felt like going to church. Uh, I'd have to find it and see, but yeah, I feel like you yeah, said I, something like that in that yeah. in that clip that I watched, and so yeah, I may yeah. I may have because that's how I felt about especially that venue. Um, and there's other places, so we had a venue in San Antonio um, called Luna. And it was, it was, it was the same kind of thing, but it was more classy. So it was like a classier kind of joint, but it was the same kind of deal where you would just be like, you would look over and you'd see, you know, a group of people at this table and you'd see people at this table. Cause it was more seated. This other place was like a bar and it okay. was like, this other place is more formal in San, in San Antonio. But every, the cool thing about, I think the common thing is everybody's there with an open mind. They're there cause they like, they do like a certain kind of music. So if it has a little more soul to it and it has some of the go- the gospels singing and things like that, they're yeah. going to be more drawn to it. So there yeah. was, they already kind of knew what they were signing up for. It had, we have the horns and stuff like that. So like it, I said, so when I say open-minded, not like, Hey, we're a metal band showing up in a jazz venue. And it's like, guys, just be open-minded. Yeah. You should, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean like, yeah. you went that like far change off. Your huh? whole, change your whole paradigm. Uh, I just mean, they came in there like with a positive, expecting good mm-hmm. not like sitting back with their arms crossed like yeah. show me what you got yeah oklahoma city band yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah um it was just more like all right go we're here we're yeah. here for you let's, let's, let's see how fun. this goes yeah, let's, yeah and let's give us a chance and so uh we had venue like that in kansas city and stuff too so yeah there's just a couple things but i think to me it's like when i think about a good venue it's it's like there's so much to it that revolve around people it's that it's that you change the ownership and you change the type of music or whatever. And it's just a bunch of walls with stuff, you know, it really does like take somebody that has a vision. So like this venue in San Antonio, both these venues in San Antonio and in, in uh, St. Louis, they had music like almost seven nights a week in most cases. And they, they curated it with a certain type of genre, like in a lane. So like, you're you're not gonna have everything for everybody, and I think there's some beauty in that. Like they kind of know who they are. Yeah. And if you're gonna ask to play a show there and you don't fit that, they're gonna politely say not a good fit. Okay. Um, yeah. Or may not even res- they may not even respond, but like they just really they just know their audience and they give them that. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, and it, so anyway, it just takes people to do that. Yeah. You know, you have to have the the audience that knows where to go and they the the owner knows and the talent buyer know how to do it. And that's like guys like Graham, you know, he's successful at the Jones assembly book and talent. Cause he knows what, what music is Jones going to fit the Jones and what's not, mm-hmm. you know, if he just booked anything and everything, it would completely lose its magic. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I just, I think it comes down to the vision of the, the talent buyer and the owner so on, when, on venues that I like. When venues are booking, is it more so the artist reaching out or do they reach out to the artist? Or is there a combination of both? It depends. So our deal, like, and we're not, it was good because we were actually like actively not booking shows um, and 
starting to like turn anything down. We had been in a spot the last couple of years where we weren't very actively reaching out. We were just, uh, I guess, I don't know if negotiating is too hardcore of a word. We were just more like talking logistics and terms and things for opportunities that were coming in. So we would spend our time more like, hey, they want us to do this. Is this a good fit? Um, and I think that's for us too as a, as a band. Like we, we always try to like do things that where we feel like, like I can kind of tell sometimes when somebody's talking, I'm like, I'm like just politely, like I know where this is going and this is, we, we're not going to be able to give you what you need yeah. and want and it's not going to work. Um, and that sometimes people don't like hearing that, but I try to always like, here's, but here's a solution. What if you tried this? And usually they're like, Oh, okay. That's what we wanted. They just didn't know. So sometimes we'll get asked to do stuff that just, I, it's just not going to fit the vibe they're trying to create or, yeah. or have the success they want. So, um, so that's, so I don't know, I'm giving you, I know that's not exactly what you asked, but so it's just kind of a mix. And so like, if we're going to set up a tour and like release a record, then we'll do a lot of proactive reach okay. out. Yeah. But in general, I'm more of like, if it's not like a, like, um, promoting an album in a certain time per- period, we're just going to deal with um, what comes in. So we kind of do a mix of both. Yeah. 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 How many uh, shows a year do you like to do? Is there, do you have a goal or no? Uh, no, I used to do about, uh, between 50 and 75. Oh man. Common. It's gone down in the last couple of years, kind of intentionally. And I, I like about 50 shows in a year. It feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to fit that in. And I haven't been at that pace, man, in probably four or five years. Yeah. Probably four years. Yeah. 2016, I think it's the last time we were being hitting those kind of closer to those kind of numbers. Is that just That's because of family and family and work or? I mean, I was doing all that and had the same, you know, the same situation I do now. Um, yeah, I just, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it just depends on album cycles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me, if I don't like, I'm, I'm a little different. I'm probably more wired like an artist than I am a musician. So if I was wired like a musician, I'd be like, man, I got to play, give mm-hmm. me a gig. Mm-hmm. Where can I go play guitar? Mm-hmm. Give me a show. And I, I used to be more like that. Um, or I had a moment, I had times where I was kind of like that. Like I had the artist side, but I also just wanted to go play in, in cover bands or whatever. But now I'm really, am an artist. Like I'm not interested in playing cover and cover bands. I'm not interested in just staying busy. Like I want to go be an artist. Yeah. Um, so if I don't have an album that I'm really working on to like promote or put out there, then there's really just, it feels like busy work to just go tour, you know? Like, so I'm, that's kind of like frustrating, I think to probably some of the band members and and my music manager, (laughs) but that's just, I can't, I can't help it. I really am more of a true, like once I'm, once I'm really honest with myself, like if we want this to be an awesome show, let's piggyback it off of new music and you're going to love the show. You just throw a random show out there and I'll do it and the crowd may like it, but I'm not going to do that very much. Like I don't feel like it's inspired. I never thought about an artist versus musician and how, how, how they approach it differently. Like the way you just said, an artist probably is more yeah. like whenever I get a new album out or something like that, where a musician is like, like my uncle, he plays the sax. He's trying to find a gig every, every night, yeah. you know, he, he loves it. Yeah. And so he's ready to be on the road and traveling all the time playing the same music or whatever. And so he's definitely a diehard musician, I would say than, mm-hmm. than anything else. Well, man, I sure appreciate you jumping on here, man, and, and taking time and let me just, uh, have a conversation with you thank you i've enjoyed it and like man honestly i've admired you from a distance i think the first time 
you know, I met you, you were greeting at an event uh-huh. and just were the, the best greeter that could, that they could have, <laughs> they could have gotten, you know, and I think you just, I know you volunteer some of your time to do that at different events yep. and things. Uh-huh. So I, I really, I really appreciate what you do for the community. It lifts people's spirits. Yeah. How can they find you? Tell them where they can find you. Website, social media. What's the best ways? Uh, the, the two places that I have are mattstansberry.com and then uh, we are nominee dot com so that's that's kind of the music side and the branding side and then of course if you just look me up on social media um, and the last name is s-t-a-n-s-b-e-r-r-y like fruit stansberry not stransberry i messed that up stansberry y'all stansberry so thank you again and as always ladies and gentlemen as always go win